So welcome to Behavioral Science for Brands. Today we're talking beer, surfing, and blunders. We're going to dive in to Guinness and look at one of their most famous advertising campaigns, Good Things Come to Those Who Wait. I'm Michael Aaron Flicker, a president of Xenosci, co-founder of the Consumer Behavior Lab, and a behavioral science enthusiast. Who are you? Uh, I'm Richard Trotton, so the other co-founder of the Behavioral Science Lab and founder of the company AstroTech. Well, welcome to episode one, season one of Behavioral Science for Brands. Our first episode, we're diving into decoding Guinness's best advertising campaign. But before we get into it, let's take a step back. Behavioral science as a academic field of study, why is it important? So it's, it's a great topic for advertisers because it's hugely relevant to what they do. And what most marketers are trying to do is get people to pay more for their products, switch from a competitive brand, buy more of their brands. Now, all of these questions are questions of behavior change. So every single one of us who works in marketing, we are all in the business of behavior change. And all behavioral sciences is a catalog of effective insights into what makes for powerful behavior change. So if you are working in marketing, this is a field you really need to be using. And I've always felt that the challenge of being an effective marketer is how do you make sure the work works in market? The great thing about behavioral science is it's not based on someone's intuition or their, their gut feeling. It is based on peer-reviewed observed evidence. So you can give these findings genuine credibility. And the benefit is that it's repeatable. So if you use the academics to really understand what's motivating human behavior, then you can count on it being something that you can use over yeah. and over again. You're, you're stacking the odds in your favor. You, yeah. You've got this evidence from respected scientists. You can take that evidence and apply it. And I think it boosts the probability of success. It doesn't guarantee success. I would think that'd be too far, <laughs> but it definitely boosts the probability. So if you're a brand marketer, the benefit is that you have some science and data to help give confidence to the decisions you're making. Yeah. And if you're a agency marketer, it helps give a frame for your clients to make a decision within. Whether you're on the brand marketing side or on the agency marketing side, it has a real benefit for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. not just for agency or just for brand. This is a set of broad insights into human nature. So if you're trying to influence people, then this is relevant. And something you've said in the past that was always so evocative to me is that it's not that there wasn't behavioral science happening before this became an yeah. academic field. Okay, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, firstly, behavioral science is a new term, but actually I think it's a bit of a rebrand for what we used to call social psychology. And social psychology, the first experiments were back in the 1890s. So people like Herman Ebbinghaus were running experiments on, on memory. So it's a, it's a very long-standing field. But I think you're right. Even if people haven't necessarily known about some of these studies, some of the best creatives have drawn on these insights because behavioral science isn't an invention. It's a description of what motivates people, what, what, what influences them, what persuades them. So I think you can get to these ideas by being a brilliant observer of human nature without any kind of academic background. But all behavioral science does is, is catalog these insights and make it much, much easier for the rest of us to harness these ideas. So Guinness, yeah. one of the most famous beer brands internationally, 
has a challenge when it comes to America. And they're breaking into the U.S. market. And the product itself it has a differentiation that could be seen as a real problem. You go to a pub, you order a Guinness. Maybe I order a Guinness. You order a different beer. Uh, the bartender pours both at the same time. You're drinking your beer in 10 seconds. And I'm waiting a minute, a minute and a half for the foam to go down and to actually be able to take my first sip. Do you address this as a marketer or not? Yeah. Do you bring this thing to light that everyone who's ever ordered a Guinness knows? Yeah. How do you bring it to light in the right way? So we're going to dive into this uh, really effective campaign made by who? Uh, AMV. AMV. And they come up with an idea. Good things come to those who wait. So for those of you who are just listening at home, let us describe the ad for you. You have a surfer looking at the ocean and he's looking for the right wave and he's searching for the moment to jump in and really ride the wave. And it's shot in 1999, but it's in black and white and it's grainy. And what you feel is the intensity of the surfer searching along the waves. And the point of the spot is that good things come to those who wait, Yeah. right? If you see the right wave, one great wave, is better than being out all day and taking a lot of mediocre waves. And then they, uh, they equate that to the time it takes for the foam to settle on a Guinness beer. I love that. Yeah, great. great <laughs> it's a great yeah. ad. And for an alcohol brand to not show the product until the last 10 seconds, five seconds of the spot, it's so powerful. Yes, yes. It's so powerful. So they have this idea that they're really going to dive in to this thing that everybody knows. But what's going on here? What's the behavioral mm -hmm. science behind taking something that everybody yeah. knows, but maybe is yeah. not seen as a good thing? Yeah, I think what's interesting about this is they take a flaw and they put it front and center of the ad. That sounds a little bit illogical, but there's a lot of behavioral science evidence that's a very powerful tactic. So the evidence comes from a Harvard psychologist, Elliot Aronson, back in 1966, he runs this classic experiment he recruits a colleague, gets the colleague to take part in a quiz. He gives the colleague all the answers. So this guy does amazingly well, gets 92% of the questions right, wins the quiz by miles, looks like a genius. But then as the quiz finishes, he makes what Americans might call a pratfall, what we in Britain might call a small blunder, and he spills a cup of coffee down himself. Aronson has recorded all of that. He takes that recording and then he plays it to listeners. And sometimes he plays the entire clip, so great performance and spillage. Sometimes he just plays the great performance, so he edits out the spillage. He then asks all those listeners to feedback on what they think of the contestant. And his key finding is the contestant is seen as significantly, we're talking about 40% here, significantly more appealing if people have heard the spillage as well as the great performance. So his argument is we prefer people or products who exhibit a flaw. And he calls it the pratfall effect. So let's take a quick break from our sponsors. And when we're back, we're going to dive into really what's behind the pratfall effect. Behavioral Science for Brands is brought to you today by Method One. 
Method One builds digital-first marketing systems to help brands grow. They're behavior change experts who solve business challenges by creating meaningful connections with consumers. With deep disciplines in many brand categories, reach out to them if you'd like to be leveraging behavioral science in your marketing or advertising. Okay, we're back. Now, Guinness are using that. They are emphasizing the floor of slowness of waiting. But actually, if you think about most of the great, or a lot of the great ads, Avis, we're number two, so we try harder. VW, ugly is only skin deep. And this principle of admitting a flaw comes up again and again. And I think why it's done is three big reasons. Most ads go out there and brag. And so if you admit a flaw, you are certainly distinctive. And that makes you memorable. That makes you noticeable. Above and beyond that, if you admit a flaw, you're proving your honesty. And if you say that you're slow or that you're ugly or, or they're not very popular, you've proven tangibly your honesty. And then anything else you say is a bit more believable. And then the final strength, the really clever bit, the thing that Guinness do so well, is they don't just go out and pick any old flaw. They have picked a flaw that emphasizes their core strength. Now, if you know something's taken a long time, the assumption is, well, it's probably very high quality. So if you admit that flaw of slowness, what you're essentially doing is proving your core strength of high quality. And that's what marketers have to do. Don't just pick any old flaw. Think deeply about what your core strength is. And then is there a weakness that you can admit that might emphasize that strength? And the... The agency, AMV, who does this, Walter Campbell, is talking about this years later. Yeah. And he says that he was looking at his buddies in the pub while they're waiting for the beer to settle. And he says, it's in that moment that I see there's anticipation, yeah. there's desire. It's a moment that doesn't happen with other beers. So not only do they reveal that they're revealing a natural thing that it takes time to get yeah. it, but he's honing in on an emotional moment that people feel while they're waiting yeah. for the beer to settle. Well, interesting. You say the word reveal, but I think what's fascinating about Kinnis is anyone who's ever drunk a pint, anyone who's been in a pub with somebody who's drunk a pint, right. you've got to wait for it. It's not like they are giving people new news about this floor. They're telling people something they already know. But by leaning into it, emphasizing it, they're getting the benefit of that floor. So brands might want to think about, well, what problem might our customers already know about us? Maybe we are a cough syrup, buckley's that tastes awful. Well, why don't you emphasize that and get the benefit of perceived efficacy? Or maybe you're super expensive. There could be an argument from the practical effects to emphasize that. Because again, people will think that if you're that expensive, you must be high quality. Mm. And there's something of a confirmation bias. When I hear something from the brand that I already know to be true, that's part of what you're saying is more believable. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, it's put marketers' nerves at rest. You don't have to go and give additional negative information to your consumer. It might just be repeating back something they already know. And at least that you benefit from the flip side of that negative rather than just suffering from it. So this is 1999. Guinness runs this ad. It's highly, highly successful. Accredited it with a 12% increase in sales because of this. And they actually reprise it in 2020 yeah. 
with Joe Montana, and they do a new version of the ad with again saying, good things come to those who wait. In 2015, Northwestern University does a study and they look at 110,000 products across 22 categories. And what they're looking at is product reviews. And they're asking themselves, five stars? Is that the most likely thing Mm. that's going to increase sales? And what they find is a perfect uh, five-star reviews with no detractors, not nearly as successful as somebody who's got 4.2 to 4.5 stars. Is it, it's a, this is a similar thing. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely the same thing. I think it's, again, this idea that um, perfection is it's unbelievable. You know, in the example of Northwestern, you know, what's more likely if you come across a product and it's five stars, uh, is it really going to be a perfect product with no flaws? Or is it more likely that the brand has been playing fast and loose with the reviews and maybe stuffing it full of uh, favorable ones. Right. So if you go out and pretend your product is perfect, people don't believe that. They just think there is a flaw. I just don't know where it is. And the danger is the consumer might think that flaw lies somewhere important. So better to admit a slightly inconsequential flaw, and therefore you can put your customer's mind at uh, ease. Very cool. So let's wrap it up for everybody. So we have this idea of the pratfall effect. Yep. And uh, it tells us what? It tells us that there is a benefit in being open about a flaw about your brand. That if you admit a flaw, you'll become more believable, you'll stand out from other brands, and you'll be trusted. So it's a tactic that marketers should at least consider and be confident there's an awful lot of evidence that it will be effective. And then the pro move. If you're going to use the pratfall effect is to choose a flaw. That's exactly right. Yeah, the pro move is choose a flaw that emphasizes your strength. Because in many cultures, flaws and strengths are two sides of the same coin. You, know, you admit a high price, people assume you're high quality. You admit you're slow, they assume you're high quality. You admit you taste bad, if you're a medicine, they'll think that you're effective. So yeah, think carefully about what flaw you're going to admit. Well, thanks for a great first episode, Richard. Excited to be back again. We have more great brands that we're going to dive into, revealing the behavioral science behind the brands and really diving deep so that we're giving marketers, advertisers, those that are in the business of building brands, the science behind what's effective. If you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating and review and be sure to come back for our next discussion. Until next time, I'm Michael Aaron Flicker. And I'm Richard Shotton. Have a great week. 